and welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. We are back for a fourth season, episode 139 and it's training camp kicking off this week and I'm joined to, or I'm delighted to be joined by a returning guest, his second time joining us on the show, a man who I thoroughly enjoy listening to talk uh, football, or it's the draft, whatever it might be, but the Texans sideline report of football takeover Mr. John Harris. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, training camp can't get here fast enough. Um, unfortunately, some tough news about John Mechie, uh, but hopefully he's going to be okay um, and be able to uh, have a, a full recovery from that. But yeah, just looking forward to getting training camp rolling. Uh, this offseason gets rough, especially when I'm the, I, I work in the building. And so it's just vacant for so long. And then all of a sudden, all the players, all the coaches, everybody rocks all about the same time. And it goes from being absolute uh, quiet to absolute chaos. Uh, So hopefully we'll get these practices going pretty soon here. Yeah, I think the news about John just kind of puts football firmly in perspective, I think, at times. And you got to hope, I mean, obviously he's going to be a loss to the football team and hopefully he comes back and he can defeat this sort of acute um, leukemia that he's picked up. But yeah, I mean, I suppose you've probably not got a huge chance to speak to him much, but you must probably have felt that around the building uh, today when you walked in. Yeah, there's there's no doubt in, in the I don't know the right way of saying this, but we've had this happen before. Yeah. Um, with you know David Quesenberry back in 2014, we had it happen with Dre Howe back in 2018. So we we I don't want to say we've you know been there, done that um, because it seemingly lessens what John is going to be going through. But the one thing, even with John dealing with the ACL tear that he had, he was always present. You saw him at every practice. He'd be involved in the huddle. He's always involved, always talking to Brandon Cooks, talking to the young receivers. And you could tell that there was this, this genuine feeling about him from his teammates, that they really enjoyed being around him, and they really looked forward to him being part of this team in 2022 when he was able to rehab uh, fully from the ACL. And he had, he had told us back after the draft, yeah, I'll be ready to go in, in training camp. So – we and we thought that was a little, a little, um, a little early, but still we thought, okay, that that probably means his rehab is going to schedule, and we'll see him soon. But in the back of my mind, I always kind of felt like we'll get a half, we'll get a half season out of John, and then we'll, you know, move on to twenty twenty three, and that'll be his year. So we lose him. In my mind, we lose him for a half year. But I think the bigger thing is just getting him back healthy. We saw Dre Howe come back healthy. Um, it took David Quesenberry a few years to be able to get back on a field, but then he was able to play in 2017. He went on to start for two years to the Tennessee Titans. Um, and so those guys were able to play after what they had to go through. And hopefully John is able to come back. This gives him, you know, the opportunity as tough as it is to kind of learn everything he needs to learn, get healthy, um, get past this and uh, hopefully move on into 2023 and get back to playing ball, which I know he wants to do. But um, as I tweeted, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people are really excited about, not just for what he does on a football field, but for his leadership, um, for how he does all the little things and just the, the human being that is. He, he's an incredible story. I mean, an incredible yeah. story. I happened to be watching a CFL game last night and they were at halftime or during a break, and they actually were talking about John Mechie. And it, at first, it didn't dawn on me why they were talking about Mechie. And then I realized, oh, yeah, that's right. Mechie's 
from Canada, at least lived a portion of his life in Canada. His brother plays for the Toronto Argonauts. That was the team that was playing. And so it was, it was just interesting to hear them talking about John. And John actually had been drafted, I think, by the British Columbia Lions because uh, being a Canadian native, um, or I don't know if they consider him a Canadian native, but having lived in Canada, it gives him a leg up in the CFL. And obviously, unfortunately for the CFL, he's got a career in the NFL uh, for a long time. But continue to rehab the ACL at the same time of beating this. And again, he couldn't be in a better city to help get through uh, what he's going through than the city of Houston. So I hate that Dre Howell and David Quisenberry had to learn that, but they learned that and uh, John will learn it too. They've got an incredible support system, especially here with the Texans, but in the city of Houston, hopefully he's going to come back and be ready to go in 2023. Yeah. Listen, the interview you did with the Quisenberry's brother and he talked about how uh, Bob McNair went and visited him and yes, in the Methodist Centre and yeah, I mean, you couldn't, yeah, right down the street, couldn't have better facilities, um, worldly technology, people around them. So yeah, hopefully he can make it back and, and, and be the player that we thought he would be. But it certainly puts the game and, and everything that we talk about today, probably John, in perspective. I think it just uh, it was a bit of a shock, I think, for everybody involved. But um, I, I meant to say, say this to you the last time we were on when we talked about the draft, not last season, but seen before. And uh so some of my best memories, John, of watching this team are probably you celebrating on the sidelines. And I always remember the uh, the the Jalen Strong touchdown in Indy. You got you just picked you up on the camera. Uh, but the, la- the, the last the last meaningful game I was at, I was at the, the the Jets game just after Thanksgiving last year, and it wasn't. It certainly didn't have a much of a a zip to it. But in Kansas City, uh, week six, I think it was, we ran the ball down their throats all day. Um, yep. And it felt like a team that was on the precipice of doing something quite special that season. And I always remember you running off at the sideline and I was just at the tunnel as you were coming off, high-fiving all the players and just your reaction alone, just, you know, what a big win that was. What a, like a stake in the ground in the season. And they're the good times and they're the kind of moments that I do hold on to. And, you know, it's all cyclical and they will, they will come back again for sure. Uh, one day and I don't know if you remember that just the elation um, that was through everybody in the organisation um, that day but you know when you kind of reflect on all the good you know all that sort of kind of high and obviously the playoff you know uh, collapse kind of speaks for itself that season and the last couple of seasons have been tough but how you know when you you've seen a lot of football in your time how do you sort of reflect on the sort of cyclical nature of of this but then also very much just how we uh, how, how we expect you know how the team's on the up right now, but how do you kind of reflect on the cycle and where this team's been and, and where it's going? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, you know, it, I think you probably hit the right thing, and it's it's cyclical. Um, you know, they, they might get back there, but they just have been so good for so long. Um, but it is it, it's cyclical. If you know, obviously, I got I got back to Houston in two thousand seven, and we were kind of moving up slowly, and then eleven and twelve hit. You know, 2010 hit, and you thought, oh, my gosh, are we going right back to where we were? And then 2011 hits, and it's like J.J.'s drafted, and Kareem is in his second year, and Cushing is Cushing, and, you know, Antonio Smith is now in his third year, and you're like, wow, okay. And all of a sudden, the, it was just such a – it was such a fun team to follow. And, you know, a few years later, you know, Bill comes in, and, you know, you, you mentioned that game in Kansas City in 2019. And I, I think – for me, the, the joy is you play one of these a week. You spend six days, for the most part, gearing up for that one particular 
60 minute game and it's not baseball where there are 162 and then obviously playoffs beyond that um, basketball there's 82 there's one of these a week and so there's just that much more of a feeling of of elation when you when you win and when you have those victories and and for me living in houston and i'm uh, on and off i moved back here in 2007 but when the oilers left in 95 i mean that was that was a gut punch. I mean, City lost professional football for six years, and it you didn't know at that point like is football ever coming back to Houston? You had no idea because there always been talk about LA and you know, is Houston ever going to get an NFL team back? And then Mr. McNair obviously brought it back, and I think that's always kind of in the back of my mind when I think about this team is that we have a team, you know. Um, and there were years where maybe that wasn't the case. Um, and so there's a part of that that goes on, but you know, also being in a building, you get to know these guys, you get to see what they, what they go through. And, um, I remember having a conversation with, with a player on the sideline one time back in, in 2018, and he wasn't playing in that particular game. And he made a comment about a guy that was playing and he told me what he, what that guy was playing through. And you just realize, man, it, these dudes, you know, they're devoted to this. They're devoted to winning. They're devoted to doing some things that man you just, that that a, a, a normal human being wouldn't do and you see what they go through to get ready for a game and so you know a lot of it is is feeling excitement for them and i remember back in 2018 28 yeah 2018 you know Kendall Lamb who i got to know over the, the you know the the years had finally got to start and play a significant amount and was playing, you know, pretty well. And I was just happy for him because I knew what he had gone through. And I had heard everything everybody had to say about him on radio the year before when he just wasn't quite ready. And then he went on the field in 2018 and it was like, he was trying to prove to everybody. And I felt great you know, for him that he was able to have, you know, that, that particular year to show, yeah, I can't play in the NFL. And he's still in the NFL. I mean, he's going to go into year, I think eight or nine, whatever it is in the NFL. So I'm happy for the guys, but I just, I love the game and I, and I, I get excited about it. I grew up with it. I'm coach's kid. I played it. I coached it myself. Um, and I just found a lot of joy and excitement out of watching my team do well and watching the players on my team do well and them experience, experience success. And so, I got just as excited last year when we were in Tennessee and we're beating the Titans than I did when we were, you know, having a win back in 2019 and beat the Titans, you know, uh, it just, it felt different, but I think I'm going to have that excitement regardless, but I think I feel even more excited about this year because I feel like after kind of getting through the trade that we needed to make of Deshaun Watson, I think that really set us on a, on a path of let's, not so much, not tear it down, but, you know, we got the opportunity now to build this thing back up and to build this with a foundation that'll, that'll keep us going for the next, you know, decade or more. Um, and it's what the Oilers did back in the mid to late 80s. Um, it's what the Texans were doing back in 05, 06, 07. Um, they were building it that way. And I think that's the only way to build it and to be able to move to Sean and get draft picks back and then use those picks and, and let the Casario move up and down a draft board to kind of set this thing right and bring in players that are going to fit. Um, it just, it, 
it got a lot of people in Houston really excited. It got a lot of Texans fans really excited about what Nick was doing. It felt like nationally people were paying attention. Like, hey, man, you looking at what the Texans are doing drafting-wise? Look at this. This is pretty good. And then all of a sudden they start waking up, you know, the last few weeks and, hey, have y'all been watching this Davis Mills character down in Houston? He's doing pretty – and you start kind of feeling like, yeah, we've, we've known some of these things. Now people are catching on. And, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not under any – sort of pretense to think, all right, we're going to Super Bowl or we're going to go win a Super Bowl. I kind of felt like in 18 or 19, we could have if things broke right. Yeah. If we got the bye week in 2018, um, you know, 2019, if we held on to 24 nothing lead, um, I felt like there, there was a way that it could happen. I, I don't know if that's the case for this team, but I do feel like 2023 and beyond, we're definitely going to put ourselves right there in the mix in a very difficult conference with a lot of really good quarterbacks. But we're going to be right in that mix because of how this is being built. And that, that's exciting. So, yeah, it was two, four lost seasons, and it was very, very difficult to get through, especially last year. But hopefully we've got to the other side that that could all be, you know, wine and roses on the other side, but you can at least see the positives of what this organization can be going forward. And so I'm, I'm, that, that gets me excited. You know, we go to Chicago and beat Chicago in week three. I'll be just as excited as I was last year in Tennessee. And, you know, uh, in Kansas City in week six, man, that was that was a heck of a football game. I mean, that was a really – if you just drop the logos and it's just two football teams playing and you didn't know which team was yours, you would just – wow, that was a really – that was a really amazing football game. I'll tell you what, those fans in Arrowhead Stadium have seen some all-timer type games the yeah. last uh, four years or so since Patrick Mahomes took over. Holy smokes! Yeah, no, I think yeah, it's those good memories like that. I think you you look back on and you and you hope those kind of days can come. And I think there's there's definitely a lot of uh, definitely a lot of building to be had and a lot of a lot of you know good, interesting developmental storylines. I think right across the roster. Um, in terms of this draft class, John, what did you think of uh, the the picks? Obviously, Mitch is going to be sidelined, but um, certainly two of the top three picks in the defensive and def- the defensive back. What did you make of those two guys? And was there anyone that you was 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 there any, was there anyone that, that you you had circled on your list that you really thought was going to make a big difference? Or what did you make of the draft class in its totality? In total, I felt like draft class was really really good. I don't, I don't know. If there's anybody I looked at and went, oh, I I don't I don't like this guy. I mean, full disclosure, I. I really liked Sky Moore from out of Western Michigan. And when they traded up to 44, I thought there's a possibility that they could be taking Sky Moore. And I got, I got excited about that. When I heard Mitch, it was, it was, it was I want to say it was an odd reaction, but I remember thinking, Oh, Oh, ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Like I had just hadn't mm-hmm. put Mechie with us together for some reason. And so it took me a second to kind of like, okay, wait, think this all the way through John, this could be interesting how this goes about. And then you start, you know, and I had, I'd known a lot about Mechie going in. So I felt like he fit for what they were doing. And when you look at, you know, Kenny Green, a local kid, but, you know, kind of quiet, but just, you know, not about, it's our way of saying this, not about putting his brand out there, all that. It was all about ball. Jalen Petrie, the same way. It was all, it's all you heard about Jalen Petrie um, was the same thing. And then you hear you, the Mechie's drafted like, oh man, He's salt of the earth. Like he's perfect. So I felt like they had a particular, they had a particular background that they were looking for with, with their players. And that was, that was really, really important. Um, But they got dudes that could run. 
they got highly, highly athletic dudes. And obviously it starts at the top with Derek Stingley. And I think nine players in this draft class, and I said a draft weekend, I said that the unfortunate thing about this draft class, it can be outstanding. And I think it can be. But Nick will be ultimately judged on what Stingley does. But that said, I was always a Stingley guy. I always had Stingley ahead of Sauce. Um, Luke Fickle tried to convince me that Sauce was the guy. Um, when I met with Luke back in May for a, uh, an award luncheon here in Houston, um, and, and Fickle did a good job of trying to convince me, but I still think that Stingley's that guy. Um, the ball skills, the, the speed. I'd love to see him play offense if they felt like they could do that, but that <laughs> might be something down the road, so I'm not going to you know, hold my breath. But when you think about what you can do defensively with a guy like Derek Stingley, because I know a lot of people were thinking one way with that, like, this is Lovey Smith defense. How does Derek Stingley fit into it? As opposed to Derek Stingley can do this. How might that change a Lovey Smith defense? Or what might that add to a Lovey Smith defense? And there was so much of the other way, like, oh, Stingley, Stingley's a, you know, he can play man to man. Why would Lovey? Well, maybe that's that's the whole point is that Lovey does want to expand. We'll see. But if Stingley is on point and where he was in 2019 as a true freshman, that was three years ago. But if he's on point, then there are opportunities to do some different things in this particular defense. And the same goes for Jalen Petrie. Because of what Jalen Petrie can do, there might be some things that they might do differently this year because they have him than what they did last year. So – those two picks to me were, were, you know, of course I played in the secondary, so I pay attention to them a little bit more, I guess. Those two picks said to me, hey, they want, you know, Lovey said it, but he said it during draft season. And how much do you buy during draft season? I mean, he basically came out and said, we're drafting secondary players just to get ready. But none of us, we're going to believe it because you just don't believe any coaches talking in April. Um, but that's what he did. And, and that's what they wanted to do, and they did it. So I, I'm excited about what Stingley and Petrie can do together. Hopefully Sting's going to be 100% ready to go in training camp. Sounds like that's the case. Um, and if he is, Jalen and Petrie made one heck of an impression during OTAs. So you put those two together in the secondary. I think Damian Pierce, a running back, I was really excited. I was just a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of guys coming into the NFL. They don't have to be the fastest, they don't have to be the strongest. But if they have the ability to make yards on their own, whether that's with, you know, their speed, whether that's with shake moves or whether it's with power, um, imposing their will, that's the kind of guy Damian Pierce is. He can impose his will on a defense and on guys that in the fourth quarter, they don't want to tackle a guy that's 220 pounds and is just running downhill at them. I, I mean, I played defense, man. It's, it's like it, it wears you out. It wears, uh, it wears you out. And that's my hope is that Damian Pierce becomes that kind of guy. But I love Tegan Quatoriano from out of Oregon State doing a draft show that weekend. And as we're like, okay, what do you think Texas will do? That was the guy that I'd highlighted. And then two minutes later, they picked him. And I thought, man, this is okay. It's good. All right, Nick's listening. So that's cool. Um, but I just I like the way they put the pieces together. And when the draft was over, I know people looked up and were like, wait a second. They didn't draft any edge players. And so I was kind of thinking it during the draft. And so I thought, all right, while we've got Nick right after the draft, I'll ask him. And he said, well, we might have some players that we're going to sign that, you know, right after the draft and everybody will kind of see the plan. I'm like, all right. And then a couple of days later, Rasheed Green signs. 
and the Mario Addison signs and the Jerry Hughes signs. And it's like, you almost have to add them to the draft class because that was sort of, that was kind of part of the process that they were able to draft Damian Pierce in the fourth round. They were able to draft Jalen Petrie in the second um, and draft the guys where they did in large part because they knew, Hey, we don't have to really focus on edge players because we're going to go sign these guys. And I just kind of felt like those three added to the draft class ended up making this draft class a really, really good one. I think Rasheem Green is going to be fantastic. I'm really excited to see what he can do as kind of an inside-outside threat. So I think he's going to be fun to watch. Um, and I almost kind of think of him as a rookie. I mean, he's <laughs> he's almost as young as some of the rookies. I think he's only 24, might be 25 now. He's played four years in the league. So he's a young, he, was, he was young coming in. I remember my draft profile on him said he might be better with a second team because the first team might be just – He's so young, and hopefully now we start to reap the benefits of that um, of those four years he spent in Seattle. So I think Rasheem Green, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes added to the draft class. I was all almost kind of all in the same time frame when they made those draft picks and made those selections and signings. And so I feel like they hit everywhere. They hit. They had. Oh, we got sore spot in the secondary. Okay, we're going to hit here. Uh, offensive line. We're not totally set. So let's look depth in day three. They get Austin Deculus. Um, they've really not been good on the interior. So, all right, let's go get Kenyon Green. And I know there's some people that night and, and at the draft party, they were walking by our radio set. They're like, hey, Kenyon Green, I like him, but it's too early. It's too early. I said, look at what happened in the pick number 17. That was Zion Johnson to the Chargers. I can promise you that if Kenyon Green got to 17, the Chargers were going to take Kenyon Green. And Zion Johnson would have been a few picks later, possibly to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, because Kenny Green and Zion Johnson are off the board, the Cowboys went a different direction. So from that perspective, I feel like they hit on, I don't want to say not sexy. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but I feel like they hit on players that are going to come in here, put their head down, go to work. And as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to be eight to 10 year vets and be part of this rebuild that we've talked about and turning this thing back around. There's a couple of things you touched on there, John, and I'll, I'll ask you kind of quick fire, but I suppose the big one is the run game. Does the Kenyan acquisition plus perhaps more solidity with having Tunsil and Titus bookend in the line, is that enough to improve the run game this year to get it to a level where it, it's going to balance the offense, which it hasn't been the last two years for sure? I think there are a lot of things that go into that. I think Kenyon is definitely um, is definitely part of that. I think, you know, bringing over A.J. Can is part of that. I think the signing of George Warhop as offensive line coach is part of that. Um, I think drafting Damian Pierce, going out signing Marlon Mack is all part of that. I think they all – you put all those puzzle pieces together, and I think that's going to help help the run game. And, I, and I've said this to people, you know, look, you don't have to be number one in the league and running, running the football. Um, you know, who was number one in the league last year running the football? Like, wait a second. Uh, Philadelphia. Titans, think, yeah. Philadelphia. It was the Eagles. Yeah. You're right. It yeah. was the, yeah. the Eagles. Yeah. And the Eagles are not nine and eight. And they got to the playoffs and they got there um, in large part because they could run the ball. But you don't have to run it at the number one overall run game in the, in the NFL. I think uh, Texas fans are pretty realistic about that. I think, to your point, I think most Texas fans are realistic. Like, look, if they can just be top 20 and just show progress, then that's going to make this offense that much better because of what it then can open up for Davis Mills too. And I'm like, absolutely. That's, that's exactly 
exactly the point, what it opens up for Davis Mills. So I don't think it ends up being the number one overall run group, but I do think that it ends up being a lot better. And I think because of Kenyon Green, because of AJ Cam, because of George Warhop's influence and experience, and vice versa, is the run game can help the pass game. I think the pass game can help the run game too. I think Davis will be a little bit better. Pass game will fit him a little bit more. If that opens things up where teams have got to play more too high, then the run game should be able to benefit too. So it all sort of benefits itself, but I don't think there's any question that they want it to be more physical on the offensive line in the interior in particular. And Kenya Green will absolutely help them do that in due time. <clears throat> Feel free to get in the weeds with this answer as much as, as you want here, right? But in terms of the schematic changes that we expect Pip Hamilton, Hamilton to sort of install this training camp, obviously you've seen some of it in OTAs and in mini camp, but, it's, but certainly from the expectation of his previous tape, it's a power run game. Um, there's going to be, you know, you know, a fullback. I think that's clear from having two on the roster right now. Yeah. Uh, but what do you expect Pep to do differently about this offense and how will that help Davis and, and for everyone uh, in the organization to get a good, clear sample size of Davis? Because ultimately, you know, I think Pep and, and Davis working together in this scheme is probably going to define our season, but also future seasons, future draft class. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of dominoes to fall depending on how this offense works out this year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you, you said it, I think there'll be a little bit more power in the run game. And, and not just like uh, power, but like power runs, you know, pulling guards and, and things of that magnitude. And I think there'll be a little bit more of that. And from there, we'll see. I think there are going to be some other things that they were showing in, in, in uh, OTAs and, and minicamp. They're a little bit different. But when it comes to when it comes to the run game in the in the NFL, you know, out of a, out of a, you know, 11 or 12 personnel, one back stuff. You know, people run outside zone, wide zone, split zone. They run one back power, um, and they might do a little bit of counter. They might dress up a little bit differently, but a lot of people run the same stuff for the for the most part. Now, some teams will get to a point like the Texans back in the Gary Kubiak days, where it was not all outside zone, inside zone, but it was pretty darn close. I think teams are a little bit more diverse. But everybody's kind of running the same stuff. It's just a matter of you get guys blocked up front. And you have guys up front that can that can move people off the ball. And that was just not something that the Texans were able to do last year. And I'm not talking, you know, you're going to you know blindside Michael or you're going to drive a guy over the fence. I'm not talking about that. But you just got to be able to control, control guys in the line of scrimmage to be able to allow your running backs – to make cuts and see the hole where it should be. Um, and that was the that was really kind of the good thing last year to me about Rex. I realized last year with Rex that if if a play was blocked relatively well, Rex was gonna pick up five, six yards. Rex did a great job of staying true to the play as it was as it was blocked. Rex could also tell you if the play wasn't blocked very well because it was really going to be no gain or a yard. And so Rex was great about executing the run play. And it was interesting as I was watching when after Rex took over, I was like, boy, this is interesting. I really feel like I can tell when the offensive line, and, and I know that's kind of obvious. Hey, you're on for five or six yards. The offensive line has done 
some good things. If you haven't, then it's not doing good things. But it was even more so because I've seen other backs where plays aren't blocked very well. A guy still picks up eight, 10 yards. Um, but Rex really kind of told the story through his running and his success, how well that offensive line was actually playing. And that offensive line's got to play better. Much better, I think it goes without saying. But I think on the interior in particular, that's really where I think they're going to see a change with both A.J. Can and Kenyon Green more than likely being stars in the offensive line. Putting Titus at a tackle and getting him comfortable again is great. And obviously adding back uh, your Pro Bowl left tackle, that can't hurt. Um, so from that perspective, they should be, all things considered, if healthy, that five up front should be a little bit better for sure. But I think it's going to be a lot of what teams run throughout the NFL. It's just when it comes to being a play caller, it's how do you mix, how do you mix those things? How, you know, run pass? Are there, will there be RPOs? Um, there were a few of those, but it was at Deshaun. I think Davis could run those because it doesn't always have to be him running. So from that perspective, I think this offense – to me, it's going to be very interesting to watch in training camp practices, not so much preseason games. So I don't think they'll show much. And then being able to unleash some things on Indianapolis in that game and maybe catch Indianapolis off guard. Maybe you catch him in the wrong personnel group and you're able to you know, steal a touchdown or steal a long run that leads to points. Any and all those things can help um, along the way. So I think the run game is going to be very, very interesting to watch the mix of, of how it all goes together. And what do you think Nick wants to see um, from, or what is the front office a totality, I suppose, want to see out of Davis this year and the offense as a whole to to make it a, at least a tough decision that you're not going to look at a Bryce Young or a CJ Strout or a Levis out of Kentucky or you know or whoever it might be. There's plenty yep. of names out there. This season will sort of filter that and we'll have a better idea by the time the college slate's done. But what do you think they need to see from a Texas football point of view this year to make that decision at least difficult, if not impossible? Speed it up. Speed everything up. Everything has to be done quicker and faster. Reads faster. Um, the ball getting out of his hands, his drops. I mean, Pep already talked about that back in the offseason. Everything has to speed up. And once that happens, I'm not saying you just speed it up just to speed it up. But if Davis is making quicker decisions, then everything just runs smoother. And I, and I when I talk about that, I, I talk about it a lot as it pertains to baseball. And having played baseball many, many years ago, I used to get bored in some sense behind a pitcher that would just take his time or when a pitcher worked fast everybody was in the game everybody was involved things went fast it just went bang 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 it just felt like things were smoother and I kind of feel like that with Davis things get quicker in all aspects decision making his reads his mic points all that stuff gets faster I think this offense benefits and not faster just to be faster, say you're going faster, but to execute as you're going at a higher rate of speed. I think that's going to make this offense that much better. And if he is making those quicker decisions, he's going to be ultimately that much more successful. If he has some hiccups early and all of a sudden that decision making, you start to panic a little bit, you're a little bit slower doing things. It's not where you want to be. So I think everything has to be sped up. And I mean, every everything. And he's been working on those things. And 
hopefully he knows at least a little bit of the verbiage in this offense, having used it a little bit at Stanford, that he can bring that and that will help him too. But everything has to be done much, much faster. And that isn't just Davis. That's all rookie quarterbacks. But I think for Davis in particular to get this offense going back in the, in the right direction, um, I think things have to be that much faster um, in everything that he does. Yeah, and I suppose as this team's kind of forming a slightly new identity into 2022, is there any any specific stuff you'll be looking for at training camp that you really need to tick off? And is there any guys that you know people might not be thinking about might have a chance to make this roster? Well, I would go back. I'm going to trust Lovey Smith on this one, and I think the secondary is going to be an area that I that I I don't know if I'll focus because I'll focus on the offensive defensive lines. I can promise you that because. I I want I want offensive line and George Warhop is coach offensive line along with longtime offensive line coach Hal Hunter is assistant. So I wanted to watch those guys. I wanted to see how they adapted to coaching, adapted to new things. And so I watched all that. But once I get to camp, I'll be watching the secondary. Secondary will be the one. I'm gonna trust Lovey on this. Secondary's gotta be better. So I got two new two new rookies back there. You got Steven Nelson back there. So I got a feeling that those those guys in particular will be ones I'll watch. But then who plays the other safety next to Petrie? If Petrie's going to start, who's that going to be? Is it going to be Jonathan Owens? Is it going to be Terrence Brooks? They've got some options there. I think the secondary can be much better than it was last year. And I'm curious how that filters down to the rest of the defense going back to front if that secondary steps up. So I think the secondary to me is probably the one area I'm going to look at uh, and look at pretty heavily. And the final one for you today, Johnny. Um, probably my favourite bit of the season is the the road trips. What uh, what road trip are you looking forward to the most? Uh, what's 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 your what's the favourite place to eat? Thing to do while you're there if you get a couple hours while you're working. What's uh, what you what you looking forward to the most this year in terms of road trips? Well, my favourite one will be the, the uh, preseason road trip out to Los Angeles because my wife and daughter are out there right now, so I'll, I'll be excited to see them. But during the season, I mean, this is that's a hard one. Um, I really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pandering. I, I really wish you were coming to London. I, I truly, truly enjoyed that trip. Now it took a lot out of, a lot out of me, um, and a lot out of guys when they got back, even though we had a bye week I think it's gotta be Las Vegas for, uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, it's Las Vegas. Secondly, that's the last stadium that I will have had to see in the NFL to kind of the, you know, collect the set, if you will. So I'm excited for that. And, and then it's also, if my math is correct, I think that's the game after the bye week. And so that game after the bye week, I'm always interested in because I want to see what did that, that week off do? What, what did they learn about their team that they can then take into the game after the bye? It's the Raiders. Obviously, Nick has a lot of um, experience with uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler over with the Raiders, decision makers there. So there's a lot about that Las Vegas game um, that I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to. And I just want to see this, like, what, what's it like in Las Vegas for a game? I've been there once before, but it was not for a game. Uh, and so I'm curious, what's it like for a game? How do the Raiders fans um, – how do the Raiders fans – you know, take to, you know, Las Vegas, what's it like? I mean, they were only in the building for the first time last year in 2021. So I would imagine that passion's still there. So 
And plus, that's going to be one of the more explosive teams the Texans face. So I think there's a lot about that Las Vegas trip. Yeah. I'm looking I think forward to. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn. I think I've heard you talk about it um, a couple, quite a few times. The or the the previous fixture in Dallas eight years ago. That was my first first of a road game I went yeah. to. It was about sixty percent Texans yep. battle red. Everywhere that I could see, it was it was one of the best atmospheres I think of, uh, probably the best atmosphere I've ever been at. I think, um, apart from maybe Seattle um, in twenty in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's one that probably can't miss. Um, just I don't know if it'll quite be the same uh, split of fans, but certainly there's a, a hell of a road slate this year to go on. Um, and I suppose football can't come quick enough, Johnny. So thank you um, very much for your Got time. It. Looking forward to the season. Looking forward to seeing where this all ends up and where this team kind of takes another step forward. But it feels like we've kind of taken taken that cloud above our head, as you said, hanging over us. And it's uh, it gets to be about football again, which is what's the whole point, right? So <laughs> looking forward to yeah, it. So, you got that yeah. right. <laughs> you got that right. And I appreciate you having me on anytime. Appreciate it, John. Thanks.